person who picks you up at the airport and the city that you land in determines your future in America. Facts. Everybody says that. You'll agree with me because if the person who brings you out, and this is what I say, if I, I bring out somebody and I drive them, most of the time I drive them around, I don't take them home immediately. I take them to the rich neighborhoods and I show them the houses and then I take them back to where I am. Why do I do that? Personally, is to show you what you can be. Don't be tied down to just seeing where I'm at. No, there's somebody else who has a bigger house somewhere else. So you might want to look into that and say, okay, I want to be like that guy. I should not be your standard. Look up ahead. Hello, family. You are listening to Concrete Pastures. I am Nancy Mulemwasisi. Being an immigrant has been one of the most challenging and extraordinary experiences of my life. It inspired me to create a platform to reach out to my fellow immigrants and dreamers. The goal is to provide a space for myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of immigrant status. We discuss issues that are important to us in the diaspora. We celebrate the joys, the laughs, the bravery that being an immigrant brings. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We appreciate your support. To all of our new listeners, welcome to the family. You can continue to support us by downloading our Concrete Pushes app for free on Google Play. You get access to our whole library. If you know anybody who is new in the US of A or thinking of coming to the United States of America, Concrete Pastures is providing a targeted wraparound service based on your needs. We want to support you fully integrate in your new home here in the US of A. We would love to support you as you start to write your new chapter here in the United States of America. Click the link tree in the show notes and let's connect. Do not do life alone. Why would you even want to try? Thank you to FMG Radio for continuing to support us and giving us visibility on their platform. On this episode, oh my God, I collaborated with a brother from uh, our community, Pat Brick. I was so excited to have him. We talked. We started to talk even before this conversation started. If you want to see the unedited conversation, check out our YouTube channel. Yes. Check out, we didn't edit anything out. You can watch the whole conversation. It's raw. It's real. We were just having a ball and we forgot we were recording. <laughs> Let's meet him. His name is Steven Batty, a.k.a. Zambaza. He is a family man, a podcaster for two years now, and an avid diasporian. 
He has been working in the IT industry for the last 15 years. He loves traveling. I'm a huge fan of traveling. I think it opens you up to so much. And that's why we are sitting down today. So welcome, my brother, Stephen. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you Stephen. for having me. Yeah, I'm excited oh, to have this conversation. It's been a minute. Glad to be here. I like yeah. that intro. <laughs> thank you, thank you. How are you? You are joining us from Dallas. Yes, actually, um, I live in Forney, Texas. It's uh, out of uh, Dallas, about 30 mm. minutes away from Dallas. Yeah. Got you, got you. Um, we're an hour difference. I'm ahead. It's nine o'clock here. It's eight over there. So thank you. I know it's, it's, it's early. You are my fellow African. What we like to do here, we want to know what your life was like in Kenya before you traveled, you know, you ventured into this immigrant world. How was life in Kenya? By the way, thank you so much for coming on to your show. And I really appreciate your, your ask for me to show up here. It's uh, an honor. And, thank you. Um, glad to be here. Thank you. Um, my immigrant story. Uh, it starts off in Kenya, in a town called Mombasa. And I was born there so many years ago. Originally, I'm from Kilifi. I'm part of a group called Michikenda, which is actually nine tribes. And out of the nine tribes, I'm one of them, which is called Kambe. Very, very small. We're actually not on the verge of extinction, but we're very few. So that's where I grew up in Mombasa. Spent almost uh, a lot of my childhood uh, in an Asian school, uh, which was, I think, from... And I don't know what they go by nowadays, but we go with grade one all the way. Kindergarten, and I did grade one to grade eight. Yeah. Passed my exams and went to this... Um, lovely school called Nairobi School. Um, a lot of the people who come to your show, if you tell them I was from Nairobi School, yeah, they laugh about it. Uh, Nairobi School was one of the prestigious schools, boarding schools, actually. Um, this was the first time I actually uh, happened to live away from my parents from, I think I was 13. It was a time of my life where now I started finding myself where you now start to live on your own. We had an April vacation, August vacation, and then December, it was November and December. Mm. We would come back home. Otherwise, the rest of the year, you were in school for about four years. So that was pretty much my life. And um, this was one of the best schools. And it was more to do with affirmative action. So I, I got to explain this. is uh, in, in my growing up, I think at some point, affirmative action really works because out of that school, I met people from different places because what they did was they chose two of the best, two or three of the best kids out of the whole region, all, all of Kenya. By then they were called, uh, they were not counties, they were districts. So they would pick up um, each kid, one of the best kids who chose a particular school. So that's how we ended up with kids from all over the country. Um, and that set me up for, I think, my future years of right now, being able to coexist with people because people came with different ideas, different attitudes, different backgrounds. And I mean, I learned every time as I grew on, because each year there would be new students coming in and going. So you would still have this idea of a, a mixture of all Kenyans. And I don't know if they still do it, but uh, it's one of the things that does help people uh, learn more and I explored more because if not 
my life would have been in Mombasa and I would have been just grown up like a normal child in Mombasa, not having to explore a whole lot. So that's what catapulted me to now see the rest of the world. After that, I started working. I went to college. Interesting fact, <laughs> I never tell people, but I am a retired artist. If you want to know, um, I do. I used to do art. I used to paint a lot, draw a lot. Um, my daughter is picking up that that which I'm, I never told her. She does it on her own, and I'm happy about that. Hopefully, she'll take it up and um, get somewhere with it further than his daddy did. So I went to school for graphic design after I finished to what we call the Kenya Polytechnic. It wasn't the university, but it was like a step lower than the university. So after that, I secured a job. I was working and life was life was good. I mean, everything was good, but I felt that like there was something that was lacking at that point. Um, most of my friends were leaving to go out of the country. Now, what a lot of people don't realize and maybe... I'm, I'm going to circle back back and forth. I know it's about me, but all these things will come to make sense. Yeah. At around uh, the time when I finished my high school, which should be about 1992, and we left work and I went to college, Kenya was uh, experiencing some upheaval. That's when we were having multi-partisan coming in and there was a lot of people who leave to go out of the country. So a lot of my friends were leaving to go out of the country. And even in my school, you know, you had kids who were, remember it was a mixture. And one of the things about our school was some of the kids were diplomats that came to study in the school and parents who had, who had money were wealthy because it was one of the prestigious schools um, back in the day. There were only two Actually, it was one of the uh, prestigious schools in terms of um, it was a whites-only school. Then it got it got um, Africans coming in. So a lot of kids, a lot of parents wanted their kids to come to our school, and then after that, they ship them out to the U.S. or Europe, Bridget, Britain, or whatever. So majority of my friends, I, I school left and went to the U.S. So you hear somebody's going to the U.S. or when there was political upheaval, people take off and go. So that's what set my motion to have the idea that, you know what, Kenya is not going to be the only place that I'm going to be at. And I want to see the world. Also to add in, my dad went to school abroad. He went to the UK and studied there for a while. That's also what got me looking at it like, hey, you know what, if dad is going there, hey, I might as well go there. Why not? You know? <laughs> so... I work. There's one thing that uh, you have. Uh, I'll, I'll tell people, or people wouldn't want to know, is that when you get to work. Remember, I went to a college. I finished school early, and there were people who went to the university, so they were coming up later on. So in my mind, I was like, I gotta make more money to be able to set myself up. But these people were coming later on, so hey, you know, when they come in, they're gonna be making more money than you do, and then hey, you fall under this economic scale where you're not making any money. So this is what happens for me is somebody comes to my workplace and say, hey, there's something called a green card. You can apply to go to the U.S. I was like, what? Green card? Uh, okay, let's try. So I try. As I'm trying, I am on my way to the to the U.K. to go and try to get a living. Actually, I was going to the U.K. 
to see if I could stay there, you know, find if I could get other sources of either go to college or something, just change my visa from visiting and then go to college and stuff like that. Two days in the the UK, I get a notice, I get a call from, from a friend of mine back in Kenya and they're like, hey, you know what? You got a green card. So I have a six month visa and then I have a, uh, I have uh, this idea where, okay, you're going to stay for six months and then you're going to move to the U.S. So I was like, hey, luck is always on my side. So I got That's everything amazing. done. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I didn't know Kenya actually had that because not not all African countries have that. They're like selective countries that do have that option for applying for the green card. Yeah, they, they did. They were giving a cap. Like I think Nigeria now has a, is not, is not being, is not eligible anymore. Uh, my country countries. was never on that list. Oh, yeah, we, we were never on that list, uh, and maybe, maybe now I don't know. But when I was coming in 2002, no, we we were never on that list. I want to take you back to boarding school. Okay, since you went to a prestigious school, like I want to just say it blankly because there's a lot of us. I went to boarding school too. Boarding school in Africa, like if someone goes to boarding school. That means your parents have to have some type of money to go to boarding school. Because people here look at it as it's like punishment for children to go to uh, boarding school. But your parents have to have some type of change for them to be able to spare because it's expensive. They are paying for you to be uh, in school for like three months. I, I was home literally like maybe four months out of a year. I can safely say we were a middle-class uh, family. My dad worked for the government, and my mom was a teacher. So, it was, but you it have was to tough. be able to afford it, it, it. It's tough. Like for for us, like my mom put all three of us. It's three of us girls, so all three of us different schools. Me and my younger sister, we were in one school, and then the youngest one was in another school, which was actually more expensive than my school. What was your experience there? Like, how was the food? I know you learned how to, you know, to accept people's opinions around. Oh. <laughs> how was... So, the- let me explain about uh, the school, and which I can't kind of realize. Parents, kids don't understand this when you're growing up. You only see a little bit. Parents only show you a, a speck of what you see. Yeah. I used to catch my parents in conversations about what was going on. And I think they used to have, like overdrafts they used to get like overdrafts to take us to school so it's like they'd get an overdraft and pay up and then pay up later so it yeah. was like they had yeah. cash the thing about my dad was uh, that when he was growing up he never had uh, he never had fees and actually he went to one of a better school than I did which was called Strathmore um, but then a long time ago it was used to be a boarding school and uh, by the time I was going in, it was not a boarding school yet until they changed it. So I couldn't go to it. I wanted to go to, to that school. He was, he never had, he lacked fees, like tu- uh, tuition uh, to pay for his school. So that's the one thing he made sure you had first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would have nothing else. But once the tuition is paid for, that's it. You know, then we we'll look after the other things because that assures you you're not going to leave. Uh, school like you told oh you don't have any fees you're gonna live no, no no i think that was his his embarrassed i think he was embarrassed about it if i may say so and yeah. he wanted to make sure that you know that was his minimum so with his kids he wanted to make sure look 
you have fees. Everything else will take care of itself. You go to school, there was food. Uh, food was good. We only ate weevils one time. What's a weevil? Most of the boarding schools, I talk to my friends right now and they tell me the schools they used to eat food which had weevils in them. And it happened one time. And I remember this one time and I'll say it to these people who will come back to this. There was a teacher called Miss, Mrs. Kabetu. She walked into the into the dining hall because they used the teachers used to eat with us, and our head of house at that time was called uh, Gishuvi. She stood up and told the cooks to take all the food out, and we had to be given I think we were given tea, given tea and bread for that afternoon, and that was the last time I ever saw any food that had noodles in it. So food was good. Um, nice. We had eggs in the morning. We had eggs. Actually, we had eggs in the morning. Two slices of bread. You had tea. Eggs uh, in the morning. Sunday, you had fried eggs. Yeah, that's a dream. <laughs> <laughs> we had custard, 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 and uh, pie on Thursdays. Yeah, we had, and you know the, the other thing is is ugali, which a lot of Kenyans like ugali but in our school it was kind of like a prestigious school you know the rich kids school so they never liked ugali and we never really had ugali so much it was only on wednesdays so and then ugali, is what? U- ugali is what it's um zimbabweans call it sadza um it's cornmeal that is oh shima we, we call it shima, shima. okay yeah shima yeah, like I, I didn't so, want to assume because like, I was like, I, I know what I, th- <laughs> I think it means that, but I didn't want to assume. <laughs> yeah, so that was. Uh, Wait, you, was you guys fun. did not eat that? Do you eat we only ate it, I think, twice, twice, uh, twice a week, which is odd because most of the schools ate that all the time. Every day, lunch and dinner for us. See. And maize and beans, like maize and beans, we only ate maize and beans once a week on Friday, on Thursday afternoon, and then there was rice pudding after that. So people would come in to eat the rice pudding and leave the maize and beans. And guess what? It you are living the life. Weevils. You 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 are living the life. You are living the. That's a dream for a kid. <laughs> we were eating. You know what? What, what we had for breakfast? <laughs> uh-huh. We had like the, I don't know if you guys have this in your country, but we, they call it Sam. But it's, um, it, it's like the, the polished corn. Yes. And it's boiled. Right. And they were out of the corn, from, uh, they removed it from the corn itself. So you, they, they boil that, like I guess all night, whatever. And you just, they, they put a little bit of sugar in it and they slap that on your plate and that was it for breakfast. So, oh, you, so you're eating chunks oh, of maize. No, 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 no. Ours was very, very clean, crisp. And you had, you also, and it had sugar in it. And mm. you also had two, lo- two, two slices of bread. We, we don't know that life. Bread. So you had porridge and then tea after that. So you that that was your breakfast. I would have loved to have porridge. <laughs> I don't even remember. I think having porridge if my my brain even saves me. But I I samp we we called it samp. That that's the most oh. like when we had rice. That was a treat when we had rice. So we would have ishima with beans. When we had meat, I became a vegetarian because of that. <laughs> 
So I prefer to eat you soy chunks. I prefer to eat soy chunks and not uh, eat that red meat or whatever they were cooking. Oh. Chicken, oh my god. Maybe we'd have like once a quarter or something or twice the ma- max. We had tea. We had tea in the morning and then tea at four o'clock with bread because you so wow. you your mandatory was two slices of bread. You always had two slices of bread. People will fight over it, but you had two slices of bread. You 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 had to have. And then in the evening after you finish uh, your dinner, you also had two slices of bread. Mom should have got my mother. I should have gotten a memo for us to go to your, your school. <laughs> my sister went to school that actually, which is what I was saying. It was kind of harder for my parents to, because my sister went to a, my a school like that, and um, I did. It was one of the same same caliber, and then my brother went to another provincial school, which was also the same caliber. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot for for the parents. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot. It's definitely not easy for parents, especially now. I just wanted to know, like, the experience, because there's a lot of us that went to boarding school, and definitely our experience. We learn a lot from our experiences. We had good, I don't know if they still have it there, but, I mean, we had clothes we were washed for clothes. They would wash your shirts, uh, uh, shorts, and ties, you know, you collect them at the, yeah, you, you put it in a bag and they'd come and Wow. <laughs> that is the life. <laughs> we we had Fridays. My school was a seventh day Adventist school. So we went to school Sunday through Thursday. Right. Friday, Saturday. You know, of course, uh Friday we did activities. Um yeah, I don't even want to get into those activities. But uh I love the morning portion of it which was running so i i loved running and then saturday it was all day of church and then sunday back to school but friday would you, you that was your day to do your laundry it, it, it was a lot so you just imagine it was like more, i think maybe close to 500 kids because it's from grade one all the way to 11th grade so you have oh. all of these people in different dormitories and stuff like that but it was a lot. So the girls and the boys, it was... Oh, yours was mixed. Yeah, ours was mixed. Boys no, and girls. Was, My yeah. mom gave me an option to go to all girls' schools. I was just like, no. <laughs> uh, we, we had to get a, uh, go to all boys. My sister went to an all girls. And... Mm. Uh, yeah, it was. It had its fun. I mean, you. you wanted, I love that my mom gave me an option but instead of right. forcing me to go. I, I love that she asked me, "Do you want to go?" And it was actually a better school than where I was. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I, I like the mixture. Most of my best friends were guys. Um, I always gravitated towards the opposite sex. I don't know why, but I just get along with them better compared to um, same sex. <laughs> Well, us, we know we, we never used to see them. So whenever girls, uh, school bus for girls came around, we were like, hey, scrambling around, looking at the windows like, hey, you know, hey. <laughs> but I can imagine because it's like torture for you guys. They, they, they leave you. In- right. But yeah. it, it was the same with my sister. So they would do the same thing. Yes, I would imagine I'd do the same thing if I went to all girls school. Having all boys, a, a mixed one, I, 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 get, I got to learn the same way like you had like diplomat kids come to your school same thing for us we had like diplomat schools people from Angola 
from Tanzania, like different countries. They came to our school and I got to learn like their culture through them that way, like their food, their, how they, their country is, of course. But it's definitely an experience. It's definitely an experience. For me, it's um, a vital one. And, and you know, uh, speaking about that, there was a, a guy who we were friends with. He actually was from the U.S. He's called Okello. Because we always go by the last name. So you never go by your first name. Um, first ah. name, Stephen, last name. No, no, no. When you get to uh, school, you always go by the last name. So in, in, um, right now, as an adult... If you call me by my first name, there are two things will, I'll, I'll, which will strike in my mind. Either you knew me from um, primary school, or you knew me from around the area, or you knew me later on in in college. But if you mention me, if you call me by my last name, my first instance will be, you must be from my high school. Because ah. nobody calls you by your last name. Was that the rule for the school? Name. Or is that how yeah, it... I think, yeah, yeah. I don't know why the, the, maybe it was for, um, you know, like we have English names and then you have your, your, your traditional names. So I guess on the register, they'd rather go with the traditional names. I don't know why. But I, that's a, that's a nice thing. I'll try to find out and ask why they do that. It's, it's nice. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. Mm. All right. So I'll, I'll jump, uh, fast forward. I just wanted to get that experience. <laughs> fast forward. Um, to where you were talking about art. My daughter does art. She's actually pretty good. She was doing it for quite some time, but then I can't afford it now. It's expensive here. I'm still going to put her into it. I'm not an artist. I think she gets it from my father's side because he he's very creative. But why did you start? Oh, then now you're coming into what when I got to America, what why I made that decision. Um, you started art in Kenya, no? Right. I started art in Kenya. I mean, since I was young, from, from the time I was in primary school, I was I used to draw. I used to copy stuff. I used to do all these things. And then the talent was there. People knew that I could do that. Um, and I continued all the oh. way to college. And I mean, I wanted to focus on it, which is weird because whenever I was growing up, I said... I wish I wouldn't have to study math, geography, and everything else. I just yeah, that, that's the artist people. They they like that. For for me, it was done. Right. For right. me, it was so yeah. I, I wish I was taken to a school where I would live. Like morning, I do sculpture. Midday, you know, drawing stuff. You know, then evening, painting and stuff like that. All that encompassed but that wasn't the case. So I had to go by. Uh, my high school and then college is when I started concentrating on that. So I get to the U.S. First thing, when I get here, I look at the options. I'm like, okay, do I see... At that time, they were, they, not, they don't have like art. And I was like, do I see... One thing about... And I was talking... We were having this conversation the other day and I'll tell all the immigrants, we always say this. The person who picks you up at the airport... And the city that you land in determines your future in America. Facts. Everybody says that. And you'll agree with me because if the person who brings you out, and this is what I say, if I I bring out somebody and I drive them, most of the time I drive them around. I don't take them home immediately. I take them to the rich neighborhoods and I show them the houses and then I take them back to where I am. Why do I do that? Uh, personally, is to show you 
what you can be. You know, don't be don't be tied down to just seeing where I'm at. No, there's somebody else who has a bigger house somewhere else. So you might want to look into that and say, okay, I want to be like that guy. I should not be your standard. Look up ahead. So that's one of the things that I I learned. I love that you bring that point, actually. When I first came here, my aunt's boyfriend at the time used to drive me um, around because I didn't get a job right away. So at night when he finished work, I'm so grateful for him. He would drive me from, we used to live in the Bronx. And he would drive me from the Bronx, drive me to where they had like, the same thing you're saying, nice big houses, and then would end up on Times Square, and it's gorgeous during the night. You get to see the bridges, Washington Bridge, while we were driving all the way, and then we get to to the city, and I get to see Times Square. You're talking about that. It actually, I'm I'm working on an episode where I'm talking about this. And also, the, um, when I worked as a babysitter, my second job for babysitting, I was living the 1% type of life. And you get to dream a bigger dream for yourself when you get to experience that and you get to see uh, the Hamptons and the big houses that they have there, the ocean front row houses, like... You, you get to dream bigger. So I'm glad that you do that for others when they come. This way, they're just not limited to what they are exposed to, but you get to see, this is the dream. Not Don't right. dream mine, but <laughs> this is the dream. This is what I'm working towards too. Being an immigrant can be hard. Having been away from my home country for over 20 years has allowed me to experience these hardships firsthand. Throughout my journey, I've had a lot of challenges that were hard to bear. Juggling adjustment to a new country, obtaining my immigration papers, getting married, having children, establishing my career, and finding time for myself. Even though I've always had faith, I also relied on therapy, which gave me the tools to cope with the issues life brought me. My fellow dreamers, Let's remove the stigma around therapy and normalize seeking help with today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Go to betterhelp.com slash pastures for 10% off your first month of therapy with BetterHelp and get matched with a therapist who will listen and help in as little as 48 hours. Yeah, okay. and another thing with the, also, uh, when you say now being an immigrant, before I talk about myself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you this. When you bring somebody here, the first thing they'll tell you, and I don't know whether it's, uh, I don't know whether it happens to Zambians and other people. Most of them want to do nursing. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. This idea of nursing is, is, you know, okay, fine. I'm not counting out that nursing is, is not, a, not a good job. But when somebody comes in, the first thing I ask them, okay, what do you want to do? They tell me nursing. And then I ask them, and then what? And then what? <laughs> you know, because 
when you when you get into America, and that's the other thing. You remember, you walk around those houses. Not every one of them is a nurse. Yeah, they could be a banker, they could be an actress, they could be a lawyer, they could Investor. be a teacher. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a new palette. You're writing a new script for yourself when you land here. The yeah. question is, how much do you want it? You see, I am just a I am just a means of access to show you what you can do, and which is what uh, I always uh, tell people: look at me as an access point. I'll give you all I can, I have, right? find out more to yourself mm. when you see those people in those houses you get a good feeling because imagine if you came and stayed with kenyans right you stay around kenyans what we would do would talk the same language would would share the same ideas everything would go around the circle around kenyans yeah. your attitudes will only be with the kenyan so you have the kenyan attitude you just moved it to the us add a few things your accent won't change because hey they understand you so you're going to be close knit right which is good because you you don't get homesick it's familiar create the right okay. more familiar borders create it still stops your mind whereas if you're left like a lone person or you start exploring or you're encouraged to explore you will learn about the culture you learn more about what's out there you bring it back to this to the to your people and you learn more it's all about sharing but if you get stuck with this idea of oh we're going to sit over here it's not going to help you yeah so that's that's the short version of uh, how i came to decide <laughs> on what i want i get in here and i look at the design aspect of it and i didn't have any options um of seeing what design could lead me i think at that time they were calling it branding Mm. and i couldn't i didn't understand the concept and the places that you go to college they want that many and i was also struck with the fact that i did not see somebody in their late 50s you see one thing is if you see an old doctor you'll say okay you know what there's longevity in being a doctor i can see yeah. myself getting somewhere mm. but i do not see a designer there's no designer that i see in old age so I said okay what else does, is there an option for so I chose IT because that was a thing that um was there could bring me money and I needed money so being an immigrant hey jump into it and so I went to a college called DeVry University where I studied uh, communications so I learned everything to do with telecom telecommunications and that's how i got myself into what was Verizon. at that time i was i was working for Verizon so i started working for Verizon and stuck in there and that has been Verizon until they sold off to another department right. our department right rather so they sold it off to frontier Mm. So Frontier is a company that I'm working at right now as what we call a network engineer. Not fancy. Uh what I usually tell people if they want to know what my job description is <laughs> in short form is I tell them hey when uh, somebody comes to your house to fix your internet and um your phone service and everything else and they're not able to fix it and they tell you excuse me ma'am I got to go outside to to talk to somebody to help me. Now when they go outside, they're calling me asking me, "Hey boss, 
what's going on over here? I can't take you to this house. <laughs> <laughs> so, Got it. That's how I, that's the basis of what it is. I have you know progressed yeah. further. And um, that's it in a, in a nutshell. And um, the experience has been good. Uh, being in Dallas, it has yeah. afforded me opportunity. Why I haven't left, why I hadn't left the company was because they had very good benefits. Okay. Allowed me to grow. I think with um, with life, stability was something that I, I prefer. So uh, with, with the stability, I realized one thing with America, uh, which a lot of people know, it's not like where other countries where you move in, you get your time, like your vacation time and everything all up in a lump sum. No, you have to earn it in a while. So, like, you only get two weeks vacation. You start a new job anywhere you go to. They have yeah. That. Others change. Um, so, with this type of job that I have, you had to earn your way into it. So, and I've earned my time. And uh, with being in the industry for now, I came in 2001, actually. And right up to date, I think it's almost 20 years, almost 20 years plus. Almost, yeah. I think 19. The last time I saw it was 19. Yeah. Yeah. It was 19. So 20, oh, nice, 20 years. But I didn't start with Verizon, by the way. I did go to other places, which is, you know, it, it, it is a very good thing to also work because I did work two jobs. Another person that works only one job. <laughs> I <stayed laughs> on the floor too. So I start off, I come to America. Friends are here. So my friends were here. So I moved into Arlington area, Arlington, Texas. Nice neighborhood. So I worked two jobs. I used to work at a call center and worked at a gas station. So I used to, and this was crazy. So I used to work from three o'clock till midnight. Then right after midnight, I'd log out and then drive to the gas station 30 minutes later. So I used to get to, uh, to the gas station 30 minutes late. And then I'd work until 8 o'clock, go back to sleep. And then at about noon, I'd be up and then my day was done. I was off Sunday, Monday. So that means my days off was staggered so that I could have enough time to sleep and kind of move For around. Both, from both jobs? Yeah, from both jobs. One was was kind of not not one of those prominent. It wasn't. It was like it wasn't part, part, part time. time. Part time. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, one for the for the well, let's say blockbuster campaign. It was called Ages. Mm. It was the one that was permanent. Uh, then the other one was so forty hours when you say permanent. Um, full full time. Sorry, say full time permanent. And yeah. then the other one was uh, you know part time. So it was hours of stagger here and there, but. It was it was good. It afforded me, you know, buying a car, getting settled, um, learning the culture. Um, then I stopped there. Now, interesting thing. So when you come and work two jobs, somebody tells you, hey, <laughs> you know, your mindset is you can work two jobs. They told, hey, you know, you can work only one job, and one job will feed you. It was hard, hard to leave that one job. But I did it. So I went to work for Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo was a bank. So now remember, I have learned how to, I know how to make calls, talk to people, yeah. which was also a problem because you know, now your accent, you have to change your accent to learn how to speak to people on the phone. 
then the pronouns <laughs> exactly then i learned about the gas station because remember i never knew about money i in kenya when i came green one thing about kenya notes is that from the 20 to the 100 all of them are different sizes i don't know if they've changed them right now so oh, wow. be a different size yeah now <laughs> that american <here>. money <laughs> is the same <laughs> yeah and then i got confused with the dime and the the 10 10 and 10 and 20 up to oh, date i'm still confused Wait, the 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 quarter nickel no, quarter I'm good. What's penny? Penny? No, penny I'm good. Between the penny and the a dime. The, the nickel. dime. Yeah, five, five nickel. and also ten. Nickel and quarter. Nickel and dime. Yep, nickel and dime. That's the one that I'm. So you only know the quarter about. and the penny. Yeah, but I in between, I'm still confused up to date. Nickel and dime. Yeah, twenty years. Come on, still it's confused. been a while. Nah. <laughs> with cash app now oh online we don't have to deal with coins hey uh, <laughs> don't worry about it <laughs> wow interesting interesting wow yeah so i learned now it was good because now i learned how to count notes make change balance and then also now working with a call center and know how to talk to people how to be courteous Oh you were in the call center with Wells Fargo Yes yeah No yeah both yeah but now this is banking so yeah. I learned about the banking system how the banking mm-hmm. system works yeah. which actually made me now become more open to how to deal with money and whatever and then there after I moved to another the last company was called Viking now Viking was office supplies it was a tiny company office supplies um they used to buy and sell supplies here and there and um yeah they, that's that's um uh, that was a supplies company then that's when I I was actually at that time was when I was in college so I decided hey you know what I got to stop these two jobs because I have to concentrate on school money yeah. isn't the only thing uh-huh you know play the long game yeah start with what you uh, start with you know get the little bit you can you know get your household everything paid or get loans for your school and uh after that you you get ahead yeah so that's how i got to stop and do one job and then thereafter i ended up uh, going to work with Verizon because actually the same time as when i was doing my degree my college degree and they were doing this fiber optics so fiber optics was a new thing happening and i remember the professor coming in and saying hey you know what uh fiber optics has just started in kela that's one of uh, one of the towns in uh, in kenya and i'm like uh, i'll wait until i graduate then someone in between was like oh what the heck let me just apply i wish i'd done before that because i would have I'd be very senior <laughs> in, uh. the, in the company <laughs> at this time but hey uh, it's all about fate so i applied and i got in and uh, stuck in there but it was it was it was good it was good nice life has been good uh you know when we come here we have challenges that we face what are some that you would like to share some of the challenges that you face you said you've you've shared some good some good stuff one challenge i would i would have uh, is access to information mm. so remember what i said the first people who come are the ones who determine the most the conversation that we had they said if you land in uh, minnesota 
you're more than likely to be in the in the trucking business or something like that. If you land in Boston area, this is for Kenyans. If you land in the Boston area, you're most likely going to be in medicine. If you land in New York mm-hmm. area, most of the time you're probably going to end up in corporate. You know, bank in DC, same thing. Yeah, because that's that's what is around there. So if the people you meet are telling you, hey, you know, this is it. This is what you're seeing. That's what you're going to go for. I don't know about Texas. Texas, <clears throat> New York is more diverse. <laughs> I, I would add to that that like, it's very diverse, but you were on point say, talking about corporate with New York. But like everybody else, I started with nursing. Even my mom was like, Why are you doing nursing? <laughs> she even asked me, like, uh, In my head, I'm like, That's what everybody else is doing. So this, uh, you had a point with that. <laughs> That's the hardest thing to do because nursing has money. No lie. It, it, it does. Cutting off from the nursing part to doing what you want to do in life. That is really, really hard. And a majority of Kenyans usually have that problem. There are two problems. One, access to funds. Now, as an as a as a green card holder, I think it, it, I'll say this: it's a fairy tale, but you have to learn. You have to learn and unlearn a lot of things. Number one, as much as they say you have access to a lot of things, you still have to get your credit done you know you have to have credit because once you have you don't have credit there's nothing they know of you mm-hmm. and if they don't know you you're not moving anywhere and if you don't have a history then you're not going to be able to get you know um, to go to college on loans too when you want to get access to these scholarships um, at, at our time not many people are talking about the scholarships then when you come to do the scholarship what are you going for? You know, what is available to you? There's no database that you would go around. And I think at about the time that I was coming in in the 90s, that's when the internet was trying to pick up, you know. Um, the 2000, the internet was picking up better than what it was before because I think there was a time it fell, there was a crash. The internet um, had some, there was a crash then and then came back up. So it was coming back up before we had the Facebook and everything. Yeah, so it was still at its young stage, so not inf- not a lot of information was available. So those, those are the challenges that you had. Another one of the challenges is when you go to work. At, for me, I had a problem with people with the accent. First of all, <laughs> lucky for me, in, from where I come from in uh, Michigan, we don't have a lot of the. The accent is not heavy. And then I think the school that I went to, being that they were not, they, they kind of forced you to learn English and you kind of knew a whole lot of things. Oh, um, it, I, I wanted to add this in. You know, when I went to my school, we used to use a fork and a knife, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, you're just showing off now. I no, bet. no, no. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is interesting because... Wow, when a I fork grew up and a knife? Life, right, you had to use a fork and a knife. Yeah, it had to be placed there. And you had to use it every single day. Damn. Uh, <laughs> I, listen, my mom should have gotten a memo. Let's go to Kenya and <laughs> go to Nairobi. <laughs> I should have been to Nairobi. And I'm like, okay. But, but it, it, te- it, was, it was teaching you. Remember, I was telling you, this is a culture shock. Because mm. when I grew up in my home, we only had... Two spoons in our in our drawer. 
you know who the spoons were for? My grandmother, my grandfather from my mother's side, because they never used to eat with their hands. So we used to eat with their hands everything. So imagine this, you come into your boarding school and you have to use a fork and knife. You learned that for four years. I had to learn that. Then the spoon too. In our house, the only time you used a, a fork um, and a knife was when you eating rice. And I, well, no, we actually ate rice with a spoon. No, 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 hands. That's one thing. Hands. Really? And then, yeah, and the fork, by the way, the fork was there only when we were eating fries, what we call chips. We call them chips. Yeah, we fries. call them chips too. Right. That's the only time. And I don't think they were enough. I think we only had like about maybe two, three. Yeah, we never used to be enough. Wow, Knives were just sitting there. But I know the spoons were only two for my grandmother and my grandfather. Interesting. I, I, I lived with my grandmother for quite a bit. I don't think we had like... I think it's kind of similar. I think we had maybe two spoons or something. But that was for rice which was a rare thing that we ate like if we ate rice it would be with sour cream that and sugar that's it and then oh, you're talking about okay that is called maziomala now hey maziomala you have you have to no hey, you have to eat it with that ugali thing it doesn't know not with rice ugali now yeah. i don't know if it if, i don't know if it tastes no we we ugali. did uh, with um with the shima also yeah, sour shima, cream. yeah. We, we we did that as well, but sometimes with rice or sometimes with um with shima. So we, we did both and then sugar. But with shima, yes, it tastes much better with shima for when sure. When I get home, when I get home, every single time I always buy and then make a shima and I have to eat, even if it's just a slight. Yes, there. yes. I think my grandmother used to like she would eat regular shima with relish, and then I guess that was like dessert. So she'll have it like with, with sour cream and sugar at the end. <laughs> so it was like a, a thing to do. <laughs> so again, that's the other thing you move from the, you learn from back. The, the, it's the, like I, I experienced a different culture in the high school. Yeah. Which is what sets me up when I go to restaurants here in the US when I get in here. I'm not thrown off. You know, when I go to a restaurant, I can eat, I can do that. Though the first thing is, you know, getting to a restaurant, getting a credit card first time to use it. Those are the things I, I don't comprehend. Right. Yeah. Difficulty was, you know, language now. The language of school made me know how to speak, even though it was with a Kenyan accent. Right. Yes. It, it was different. And I remember when we started working at uh, Verizon, there were Kenyans, a lot of Kenyans. Yeah. Which is one thing about when we were younger uh, with the Kenyan community. When they heard you guys have job, a lot of population in Texas of Kenya. Yeah, it's, yeah, there's a lot of lot of population. There's, there's a huge population. It's Kenya, it's uh, not Kenya. It's Kenyans are in uh, Dallas Fort Worth area, and then Minnesota, and then DC, and uh, California. So when you, whenever you hear musicians coming to Kenya from Kenya to come and um, do instruments or politicians coming, this is the places that they go to. Uh-huh. Dallas, they, Dallas is a must. I mean, they're Minnesota, coming to perform for you guys. So. Right. So they they have to go to the cities that have the most people. So that's where they choose. And then people nice. from the outlying uh, uh, states can come in easily. Nice. So that's, that's um, why we say we have a high population. So I remember we used to sit at work and people would ask us, how come I'm able to to hear you well but I'm not able to hear this other guy and you're from the same country 
you know, and you're like, okay, uh, what are you saying? You know, but now you learn that the culture, again, remember, this is a new culture. You meet new people. They're teaching you new ways. And then yeah. you learn the, 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 about the white people. Um, remember now you're intermingling with African-Americans. Um, you have the Mexicans. Yeah. And then you have the, the Asians. Asians. Europeans, Europeans, and the white people. Yeah. And remember, when you're back home, it's white and black. If you're Mexican, you're white. You, we don't know you. It's whatever. And then there's Indian. Indian. You can't call an Indian man white man. No. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. African American Indian is American Indian. You know. Yes. They're Native Americans. Yeah. There's no distinction about that. You have to now learn the distinction. African Americans. Um, yeah, they're black, but uh, they don't talk like you. So, at work there was that learning different cultures, how they talk, how they speak, how you interact with them, what not to say, you know, I'll tell you this. <laughs> so this guy called Virgil, we went to school. Actually, he was in DeVry with me, but I did not know how he spoke. So he was from Alabama. Mm-hmm. And remember, I'm, I'm in Kenya. I'm fresh, fresh off the boat. As I said, yeah. he starts talking to me. Now, when you're talking to me, I need you to talk to me and I'm looking at you in your face like, hey, yeah, one-on-one. Yeah. Virgil does not talk to me while looking at me. Virgil looks away. <laughs> I cannot respond to him. It took me about six months before I could approach Virgil and we could sit and have a conversation. That's how long it took for me to understand an African-American and be, okay, fine, we can talk. But Virgil, I cannot talk. I avoided Virgil and other others because he would look away. And I, if I don't see your mouth moving, I can't tell what you're saying. Luckily, we had some Zimbabweans who we worked together. And this is the beginning. And um, yeah, we we kind of we kind of got together and created our own African community, and then we started going on. And many years later, I also came to realize, you know, with the accent. You and I, if we work together and you have your accent and I have my accent, after a while, you'll understand the words that you say. Yeah. You know, and I understand the words that you say. Mm-hmm. But somebody else from God knows where, you plant them in today and they start hearing you speak. They'll be like, what is she saying? Or me, they're like, what is he saying? I'm like, no, you don't know what he's saying. I mean, I know, you know? So those are the things that you have to learn with the culture. Learn with your culture, learn what's around you and as an immigrant um, you do have a lot of stress stress because I think one of the things is when you come here you have to get a clean slate it's not an open open um, it's an open book right you can write your own you can write your own book yeah you have to realize one thing you gotta calm yourself down and then you start off afresh it's an it's open for you but that's your mindset I had a hard time settling in because remember I told you I was in uh, the, the UK for five months. Yes. I used to use a train. So I'd get onto the train, mm-hmm. sit. And by the way, British are very quiet. They don't talk a lot on the train. <laughs> get your newspaper, sit in the newspaper, read. When your station comes, you get out. Right? The only time I came to know 
that America is allowed is one day on a weekend I was going somewhere and a family or from the US were visiting their British people and they walked into a train and guess what they were the loudest and everybody just looked around like what is wrong with these people I'm going to keep calm <laughs> so when I get to the when I get to the US I'm used I'm already used to I sit down with my newspaper and I li- and I read the newspaper I come to the US I can't I have to drive to work which is about 20 minutes away no we don't have buses we have only cars so you in order to move anywhere you have to have a car Shout out to those people who had, you know, tr- like you guys had trains. You, you know, This is why I'm stuck people. in New York. I, I, aye, aye. I, I didn't drive for um, all of these years. I just started driving 2021. I just started. I, I just started driving. I got my car in 2021. Because it's just, oh, see, the systems are made to be... The, the, the whole time I was taking the train to, to the city, uh, which is Manhattan, and I would go to work. For 13 years, I worked in Manhattan and the train was taking me everywhere. And then we have buses almost in every corner. And then we have taxis everywhere. So there's no shortage of public transportation. I would say that. Like living in New York, you don't have to have a car at all. I only got it because... I'm now by myself. When I was married, we had a family car, but I didn't drive it. You're making the good money. Just say, making some good money. No, no. Because <laughs> I know parking is very expensive, you know? Uh, uh, parking. parking is expensive. See? Parking is expensive. The mm. building I live in, I at least I... We have. Oh, they have parking. Yes, I, <laughs> I'm putting my. <laughs> I park downstairs. They have parking underneath our building, so I don't have to look for parking. But we do have public parking again. There's parking around, but you have it? to move your car. Mm-hmm. No, public mm-hmm. parking is not. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything unless you park on a mirror. On a mirror, you have two hours. You move it, or you, we have the app now. So when I go to work, honestly, I park my car on a meter most of the times if I can't find anywhere else because there's cleaning also. You have to be cautious of that. Otherwise, you get a ticket. So when you park your car, you have two hours on there. So it's like four dollars for two hours. And then I use the other side of the opposite side. They have a different meter. So I have the app. So I just cheat the the app itself like I already like I kind of moved my car but it's I didn't really move my car so I used the opposite for two hours because it only allows you to park for two hours only so if you switch for two hours and then the whole four hours four dollars four dollars so every day it's like twelve dollars Mm-hmm. And then when you put in the, the see, I'm telling you, yeah, yeah, you got, you got, you got some good money. Hey, 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 I beg, I beg, I beg. <laughs> <laughs> But now, what, what's interesting is, I'm fortunate to, to yes, have, yes, to, to, to no, have. I'm, I'm, just, I'm blessed. My my job actually for two months they have been paying for parking, so which was good. Yeah, I understand. I'm just, I'm just it, it was a gift they are giving to the employees. Cool, best employee. <laughs> Top employee. It's all, all, it's all by employee. So you know the way they tell you about you know like driving, right? Yeah. Um, an incident happened to me when I and I'll get to another incident. I'll tell you also about culture. We're going to talk about a lot of these cultural differences. Yeah, yeah, of course. About it. 
So I'm in here for about five months. Remember, I drive only, right? <clears throat> Always look at the people who live the one percenters. Remember, we talked about the one percenters. Yep. When you bring them to the hood, they get scared. <laughs> and we used to laugh at them because you know they're like, "Oh, what what is wrong with these people? You know, is there something wrong with them? Is there, you know?" But it's their world. Mm-hmm. So here I am, six months in, I drive. I drive up to no. I can tell you the date. I'll, I I can tell you the exact date. It was the day before the World Cup, which Brazil won. Must be two thousand one, about right about there. So yeah, because you know they haven't won in a minute. Right. So if you know that date, the night before, that's when Brazil Brazil won the World Cup the next day. But yeah, so I'm driving to Dallas. Um, it was I was from work and I was going home late night, but I had to go to Dallas and come back home. But I stopped at the lights, and then somebody walked right past, minding their own business. And I was shocked as my heart started beating. Then I was asked myself, why did I do this? Then after I calmed down and I remembered, yeah. I've not been used to people walking on the streets by my side or crossing the road because where we stayed in Arlington you were driving there were no curbside people walking on the side or anything like that and here it was in the night I'm just driving I locked my cars nothing you know but for the first time somebody actually walks past my window and I was shocked so then that tell that's that's uh, no in my mind I'm like oh okay now I understand when you when they tell people oh yeah you're the rich people can when they go to these other places they're kind of scared about something but now you realize you're not used to it your mindset has to change or be prepared to to go to that environment then you're not going to be you know shocked about it mm-hmm. so learning and learning and learning yep uh. so that was one of the incident now this was another incident and then we can continue <laughs> I, I just want to get it out of the way so when I'm in Kenya I love to watch a lot of the African American movies I mean I had a whole bunch of collections that time they were on VHS tapes so mm. those young ones you know ask your parents what a VHS tape is and, oh well, my, well that's what we had yeah DVD was not there yet you know no. VHS Home Alone Coming to America was on VHS <laughs> exactly I watched a whole lot of those. I think those are coming to America. He got game. Um, love and love, love and basketball. Love and basketball. Mm. Um, there's this one, Cuba Gooding Jr., where he had, and that's the one that I, I wanted to highlight on. The one that uh, um, Cuba Gooding Jr. won, I think, an award for it. Um, they were in the hood, and then um, then there was a basketball player. Got shot, but okay. <clears throat> this is setting up the whole story. What is it? Friday? I work at a gas. No, not that no, one. Friday, Friday, Friday. Uh, um, no, it wasn't Friday. I'm trying to look it up. Yeah, um, it had Cuban Gooding Jr. and then what's this buff guy who's hot nowadays? Um, <laughs> buff guy. Oh, uh, The Rock. No, not the rock. He's he's like the rock. He's as big as a rock, but he's uh, Arnold, the, the best man. He played the best man as the guy who was a, the football player. Under Morris Chestnut. Oh, Morris Chestnut. Okay. 
Okay, so Morris Chestnut dies in that movie. Huh. I don't remember that one. I, I guess if you do a search, Morris Chestnut, and then Mark Cuba uh, Gooding Jr., and then the movie that they played, you'll probably find it. But we'll continue the story. I'll let you do the, the searching. Yeah. It's easier for me. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I'm listening. I, I multitask really well. All right. So I'm working at a gas station. You know, gas stations are dangerous at night. Everybody was telling me, you know, working at a gas station is bad. You know, everything. You know, um, I'm here. I've watched all these movies and the, the drive by movies. It's not two can play that game, right? No, no. Brothers? No, right? No. Oh, Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood, exactly. I, I found it. <laughs> All right. In that movie, at the point of uh, Morris Chestnut being killed, the car that they used, and most of the times, the car that they used for drive-bys was a Chevy Impala. Mm-hmm. Walking at a gas station, brand new. It's at night. I'm the only one in the gas in the gas station. Mm-hmm. A black guy pulls up with a Chevy Impala. Totally honest. I mean, the dude had nothing to do with it. He just pulled up with the Chevy Impala. My mindset as an immigrant, watching all these movies <laughs> in my head, drive by. No. So guess what I had? To, what I did? The guy walked in. I was so scared. He came up to the to the counter to pay for his stuff. He actually came to pay for his stuff. Like, I think he had some soda, some chips, and something else. And I told him, "No, it's okay. Just, just go. Just go. <laughs> just go." My heart was beating. He gets into the car. He drives off. And there, again, lesson learned. This man only came to buy his stuff. What, does the car symbolize that he's a thief or he's whatever? No. But what was I used to seeing? You know? And this goes to a lot of the things where the media shows, you know, like what we see in the media and and um, African you bring so up a really good point. Right. And this now, is what you, also comes up with the podcast. To, to the Bronx, actually, uh, with my own experiences. Yeah. Right. So it's not... Uh, it's what the media portrays, what you're used to, right? That yeah. you have to unlearn and experience. And here I was. The guy was probably shocked. Was like, "Oh wow, I'm getting a, f- I'm getting free stuff today." No, here I am. I'm about to press the button for the cops to be called because I'm thinking, yeah. "Hey, you know what? I'm dead. This is my last night." I mean, hey, you know. <laughs> and I, I, I was done. So that that was another experience that I had at a gas wow. station. And, it taught me something, you know, don't judge, don't judge people by what, by what you see, you know, let them be, let them tell you who they are, you know, learn yeah. from them who they are. Yes. Sometimes it does not work, but for the most part, give them a chance. What we know about, you know, white people, I know we used to say a whole bunch of things about white people that like they're smarter or whatever. You yeah. come to learn that I'm sitting next to you. They're asking you for something. First, you're like, <laughs> you're asking me and then they're like wait a minute I know more stuff than you do and sometimes you do need to come and ask me for what I know you know and you're like okay and that's also you learn yeah. as an African 
you're learning a whole lot of things when you come and this where the green card comes in you you're given the opportunity learn but also stay humble know it have it's like you stay humble have the passion progress open your open your knowledge learn a lot and you will have a wonderful time and this is for the green card holders and everyone else who's actually here whether you're being a student or you're you know you're coming to live it's 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 open america is open to so many things just open your eyes and be ready to learn you'll learn a whole bunch of things so that's it that's it for this episode thank you again for lending us your ears it's truly an honor to save each and every dreamer you can continue to support us by liking sharing and following us on our social media pages the links are all in the show notes we have so many exciting projects and ventures in store for you until next time keep dreaming